And now, for the first time in color, the 38th Academy Award. And welcome back to The Snub Club. You know, with any truly great motion picture, the only thing that dates it really are the fashions of the time. The podcast with the movies that have the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. This is the night devoted to one man, Oscar. Hello! And welcome back to The Snub Club, the podcast about the movies that have the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I am your host, Danny Vincent. Uh, any joke I would make would have to be silent this week. So I can't make a joke. I'm your girl host, Sarah Kanoff. <laughs> That's not a joke. It's just a fact. And I'm your reforming host. Both of you are scarlet hosts. You need to <gasps> repent. Oh, no. I'm Caleb. Now, before we get into this movie, this is a very special milestone for us. This is our 50th episode. This will be the 50th movie we talk about at the Snub Club. Um, what, what a time we've been recording for a hundred weeks, basically. That's, that's what that means. <laughs> so I know me and Sarah prepared surprises, but Sarah's word, her surprise could be my surprise because we both didn't tell each other what we were doing and Sarah finished hers and mine's still not done. So Sarah, tell me what your surprise is and I will confirm or deny if it is mine as well. Okay. So I made a list. Of every single person that has been nominated in the movies that we've watched. Okay, that's not what I did, so that's good. Okay. My thing is different, but do you have any cool stats for us? Or do you want to know what mine is first, and then we can go back to yours, because mine isn't done? Uh, why don't I go first? Okay. All right, so not a ton of repeats here. Um, the most that anybody has is four nominees, and that's four people um so that is richard day for uh art direction don't ask me the movies i don't know uh howard bristol for art direction cedric gibbons for art direction and of course miklos rosa for music uh now the question is who's the biggest loser out of all of these and has never won an oscar and that is howard bristol so biggest loser on the pa- on the podcast so far so wait, what was the biggest loser nominated for? So he was nominated for. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Did you lose it? Sorry. Yeah, because I'm that control left it. Um, <laughs> Little Foxes, Hans Christian Andersen, Dies and Dolls, and Flower Drum Song. Nice. Little Foxes is a weird outlier in that list. Yeah, I was expecting it to all be like the same director type of thing. It looks like his final two nominations are both musicals. um, And they they are Thoroughly Modern Millie and Star. Star. I love The Lion King. Star, not Scar. What was it? Which one was Uh, it? It's Star with an exclamation point. (laughs) Is that the Bob Fosse thing? Scar is more... uh... Exciting. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Star 60, or Star 80, whatever it's called. I don't know. It's It was nominated for... Starlight Express. This, is this one of our movies that was nominated for seven Oscars didn't win anything? Maybe. We'll find out. We'll find out down the road. A little bit of a sizzle. 
you can bring it up if it is, and you can be like, look, another look, another failure. Look at this, this loser. <laughs> um, you guys want to know what my list was that I made? Sure. Although we could talk more about Sarah's too, because I'm sure she put a lot of effort in, and she has some of her interesting stats. Uh, but, oh, that's okay. There's another podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And the closest, like the Oscar podcast I listen to is a very popular one. It's called This Head Oscar Buzz, um, where they talk about movies that tried to get nominated for Oscars and got no nominations at all. Basically like us, but a lot more free form. And also they play games and it's very silly and fun. Anyway, they have a concept in the show called, much like SNL, called the Five Timers Club, where it's like, hey, or... Uh, I think actually they do the six timers club where it's like Nicole Kidman has hit 11 people, 11 movies on our podcast. She's in the 11 timers club or something like that. Um, And I thought this would be cool for us to start doing because these actors keep popping up sometimes. So I've only got up through double indemnity because I'm going off of letterbox list of the cast, which usually is about 60 actors each because these early movies that I'm still in, you can find uncredited actors for like every part like from film historians, because all of the movies we've covered are pretty big. So I'm up through episode 22 of me keeping track of that. This is um, currently 673 individual actors I've checked. I'm also doing a separate sheet for the directors, but we've all, we've kept track of the directors as we've gone through this like project. So that's not going to be, it's just going to be a nice little organized thing for me to look at when I have the director list done. But I will say up through double indemnity, we have, I believe, let me double check. We have, Five actors in the Five Timers Club. I'm going to say their names, and you guys probably aren't going to recognize any of them. You ready for this? We'll see if I can guess. Alrighty. Oh, wait, you want to guess the actors? Oh, no, no, no. I want to guess whatever whatever part they played. They were in. All right. First, I'm going to tell you, so I'll say this. Of their, up until, okay, first, up until Double Indemnity is their first, because the thing is, it's their first credit. So, like, for example, I have someone here in the four, like, the four area that has Blackboard Jungle listed as their final credit on here. Because so I'm just going through Letterboxd saying, okay, I know we covered that movie in this, filling it all up, just starting. You, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, these are movies past Double Indemnity that I've kept track of stuff. Even though Double Indemnity is the latest first credit that would be on any of these. Okay. So, I will say this. Of our five times club... Four of them have been exactly five times. The last one, which I'm going to tell you the four and see if either you can guess the last one. Because the last one is an actor we've talked about. At least I think she it's she or he have been nominated for something before that we've covered. Um, so. All right. The four ones that have hit just five are Ward Bond, Frank O'Connor, Burt Stevens and Harold Miller. Okay, well, these are all the most generic <laughs> names I've ever Frank heard. O'Connor sounds from, Frank O'Connor sounds familiar, but I could not tell you. I will say he, he, he technically, I'm tempted to count Sands of Iwo Jima as a half film because I am counting it on our, our stats. But he was in Sands of Iwo Jima. So really, if you want to call him a 4.5, the 4.5 club, you could, but we'll round up and be nice. But can you guys guess the actor who is in the only actor to have more than five films? And it's actually seven films he or she are in. Wow, I'm going to feel really bad when I don't get this right. Um, uh, oh, oh well, 
Actually, now I'm looking at. I think I'm mixing her up with someone or Henla. It says that she's known as an, it's a she. Uh, work as an extra, queen of the Hollywood extras. Oh, which actually even make us interested to talk about her now because I I really thought that she was the supporting actress now for one of these movies. Well, so if it's an extra, I okay. How are we? Well, how maybe how are we to know? Her name. Her name is Best Flowers. She has the record appearances of films nominated for Best Picture. She's been in 23 films nominated for Best Picture. Her seven films wow. that qualify for the Snub Club are The Fairs of Cellini, My Man Godfrey, Love Affair, Double Indemnity, The Bandwagon, The Community, and Guys and Dolls. No wonder I don't remember her. She was in some of the worst movies we've watched. Let me see if any of these other members of the Five Timers Club are like actual actors, just so I didn't like make this entire thing a waste of our time now. Because I do plan on finishing this, and when I'm done with it, I will present, you know, my my findings to the class, as we say. This is this is pretty wild. I just looked up best flower. While well, you do that, Danny, yeah. I just looked up best flowers on Letterboxd. I've seen 23 of her films, so I've seen a lot, and that's only three percent. Um, other big films. Uh, that she's been in that we haven't covered were Vertigo, Rear Window, North by Northwest, All About Eve, It Happened One Night, The Big Sleep. So she, yeah, no, she really was the queen of extras. Daily Earth Stood Still, American in Paris, White Christmas, Stars Born, Giant. Yeah, she was in everything. All right, I'm going to keep checking. I think all these guys, actually, now that I'm looking at this, I think all these guys might be uh, extras. Okay. <laughs> well, well, so well, cause, you know, eventually I will hit like the the part where the Lyrox uh, doesn't just credit these extras. I mean, all right, let's see if. All right, all right. I... Ward Ward Bond is not an extra. Congrats. One of our members of the Five Timers Club is not an extra. Ward Bond. All right. Now that we have one who is an extra, I will tell you this. This is the guy. Oh, actually, no. That Frank O'Connor was in Sands of Edge. Could you guys try to guess the films Ward Bond? I will tell you his most famous role, which is a film we've covered. That's our, if you guys want that. So you have a starting point. So you only need four films to guess once I give you this starting point, which may be the first, maybe the last of the credits, maybe in the middle of the credits. But his most famous roles are Burt the Cop in It's a Wonderful Life and Captain Clayton in The Searchers. Obviously, we didn't cover The Searchers, but this is The Cop in It's a Wonderful Life. He's been in four other of our movies. I'm going to say... Was he in McCain Mutiny? He was not in McCain Mutiny. I'm going to say Blackboard Jungle. Nope. Uh, Crossfire. Mm-mm. Devil Indemnity. Nope. What about Lady for a Day? That was a Frank Capper joke. That was what I was... Ex- yeah, he is in Lady for a Day. I was surprised you guys didn't immediately go for that because a no. lot of these <laughs> actors in general repeat. You know, actors in general repeat. Um, what about Anti Mame? Anti Mame, not for this guy. Anti Mame is two of the extras films, though. If you're curious, there, Burt Stevens and Harold Miller are in that. What about uh, Madame Curie, a little Greer Garson? All right, I'm gonna give you guys. I'm gonna <laughs> give you guys a little hint here. It's Wonderful Life is the final, like the late, latest film. Oh no, you guys are guessing way too late. Do you just want me to tell you the other three? No. Um, <laughs> All right. Wow, me and me and Sarah are on completely different wavelengths. I'm like, yes, please, let's I don't get this know. over. 
I can't even think of anything that we've watched. (laughs) What did you? What year did It's a Wonderful Life come out? Forty five. Yeah. Okay. And also to help you out more than that, It's Wonderful Life was moved up a bit. So the episode before it, which is not the film, is nineteen forty two of Random Harvest. Random Harvest is not in this guy's credits. So nineteen forty two or earlier. What's the one with the sisters? Four, four daughters. daughters. No four uh, daughters. <laughs> no four daughters. What about um I mean he probably is hiding in a movie that is just really forgettable. All these are movies that we've brought up. This is not like I remember Mama. No, these are like I remember Mama. Okay. These that was actually gonna movie. be my next guess. These are all <laughs> movies that are movies that we I actually I'm very surprised with this. I haven't got to I remember Mama. I remember Mama is apparently after Double Indemnity. I have not reached it yet. Um, what about Merrily We Live? I was going to say that. Uh, Merrily We Live. Nope. My Man Godfrey. Nope. The Thin Man. Now we're just <laughs> yeah, nope. we're just going through the list. This point. Aerosmith. Captain. Captain. Blood. Aerosmith is all right. Aerosmith, you hit one. You got two left. Captain Blood. No. <laughs> Dead end. Yes. All right. Final one. I'll say this about this one. It's one we talk about a lot that none of you, none of you guessed yet. The crowd? No. Um, Love parade. What do we talk about a lot? <laughs> if you guys give up? No. You're gonna feel really dumb. Yes, I mean, um, you're gonna feel insanely dumb for not guessing this if I tell you what it I, is. I really don't think I'll feel any less intelligent. Uh. Scrooge? Well, no, that was after. Is it Alibi? Nope. Not. What one do we talk about? Yeah, we don't talk about anything. We never talk about we these We talk movies. about this one a lot. We talk about this one a lot. That was before It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, no one, you guys haven't guessed it yet. It's not. Well, we have Lady. So it's Lady for a Day. The ones you have are in order, chronological order, and I'll actually give you the spot where this would fit in. Like, but don't open up the episode list because that's cheap. It's cheap. So the five are Aerosmith, Lady for a Day, the one you're trying to guess right now, Dead End, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's not the thin man. Nope. Um have one of us guessed random harvest yet? Well, I told you it wasn't Random Harvest because Random okay. Harvest is the cutoff, the episode before it's one. Oh, life. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I literally, these movies all blend together. This is one that does not blend Morocco? together. Morocco? Nope. Wait, no, because that would be way too early. Um, I think actually Morocco is like an episode or two before Aerosmith. It's not that far back. Um... I have no it. idea when we did any of these. I know. Um, what a talk of the town? Nope. Uh, I think we've almost guessed everything. Was it a movie <laughs> that we liked? I think that would reveal the movie if I answer that question. Would it? <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, there are only so many movies. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm waiting for you guys to hang it up because I really want to reveal this in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, has someone guessed Affairs of Cellini? No one has guessed Affairs of Cellini. It is the Affairs I'm, of Cellini. 
Yeah, club. so our only not extra member of the Five Timers Club on our podcast is Ward Bond, who has appeared in Aerosmith, Lady for a Day, The Fair Selene, Dead End, and It's Wonderful. Life. And to be clear, putting an asterisk on that, up until Double Indemnity as your first credit. Because I feel like when I go through this more, we're going to hit, I'm going to find some more that we've hit five times. Okay. Right now we're in early I'm, Hollywood. You know, I came up with a, I came up with a game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, on Letterboxd, there are a bunch of posters for all the movies we've watched. Okay. Most of these posters have more than one person on them, but there are five that only have one person on them. What Can you guess three of the five? I think I can probably, I'm not, I don't have it open, but you know, I've been looking at that. Page yeah. yeah. Today. We see these. Yeah. Uh, I know. I feel like for a fact, the little foxes is one of them. with only one person. Yes. Um, I'm also really lucky right now because I have my spreadsheet open so I can see like the movies, not all the movies, you know, but some of them. Peppy has only one person. No, because it has, all the faces around. Oh, They're all small. I failed. Cat on a hot tin roof has the two of them. Um, Sadie Thompson only has one person. Sadie Thompson. Oh, I haven't counted that one yet, but you're right. That one does. Also, this is going off of how posters appear to me on Letterboxd yeah. at this current moment. Those can sometimes be different. Yeah, the Sadie Thompson one has changed recently, actually. Yeah. I thought there was one that I don't know. I feel like I've always seen one with one Jester. was one week. There's one that we covered fairly recently. There's one that is the nun very, story. Yes. The nun story, <laughs> there's also one that's a very big actress who didn't have a big role in the film. What was that it's movie? With, what jungle? was that movie with Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> It's Asphalt Jungle, right? Isn't yes, it? Yeah. It's Asphalt Jungle. Which is the Marilyn Monroe. Okay, okay, work. Yeah. Not mentioned at all in Three Hours of Blonde, might I add. Which is I'm okay. not surprised. You know, they haven't mentioned it in Smash either. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blonde. Glad it did not get multiple nominations with no wins. It just got no win. It just got... <laughs> um... So the other two is Fanny one of them? Fanny, not the poster I have for Fanny. What about one? One there is an animal on it. Well, that will make me want to guess Peppy because Peppy has his horse. <laughs> Peppy just horse isn't on the poster. What about what? Scrooge? Scrooge is not one of them. What animals have we seen? Is no friendly persuasion has a lot of people on it. It's not just what about what about the thin man? No, I think that has to be the couple. The couple has to be yeah, but the dog. (laughs) Yeah, but it's got to have both of them and the dog. The dog is on the animal. I don't. The animal is not named, as far as I remember. Uh oh, it's just, and it's not a dog. It's not a little fox. No. Is the bandwagon, and it might not be that one, but is it the bandwagon one of them, or is Fred Astaire dancing with someone else on that one? No, it is It is the two of them dancing. Okay. What, well, about, dancing. what about Come to the Stable? Does that have some donkeys in it? I think that has both no. nuns, though, on the poster. It has both nuns, and I believe their car. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you want what me to tell you the animal? Yeah, what's the animal? Oh, is it Covitis, and it's like a lion? 
Quovitus is one of them, but does not have an oh. animal. Okay, cool. he is on a chariot, but you don't see the animal. Um, but the animal you are looking for is a horse. What was that one that was like nine hundred two one zero? Peyton Place. There's no horses in Peyton Place. <laughs> no. The way you said that sounded like ominous. Like there are no horses in Peyton Place. No. No horses on nine hundred two one zero either. Is it the cat from Cat and? <laughs> no, it's got that one. Is Elizabeth Taylor laying down, and Paul Newman is like standing there. I do know that one. A horse, but it's not a horse that's named. Is it Morocco? Well, it, okay, no, it's not Morocco. It might be named. I don't. I don't think it was. Listen, it wasn't a movie. I was. I remember that much of. Was it? Is it? I remember Mama. No. Was it? It's. It's I a. Don't remember that it's movie. A movie it's a movie. Y'all know the name of. Is it? It is a. Aerosmith. Is it Affairs of Slinky no. again? No. It's the first thing punking us after all our time of fighting it. Um, would you like me to give you the decade? Sure. Sure. Uh, it was a 40s movie. Okay. Well, that really Maybe in World War II. That doesn't help. History. Okay. <laughs> so I haven't, I probably haven't reached it yet in my, I mean, you don't have to answer that or not, but I feel like I probably haven't reached it yet with my double indemnity, double, double indemnity, because I feel like I remember this. If I recently saw one like this. Is it the letter um, though? No. I will say it so it had I want I want y'all to figure it I, I just want to tell y'all this is the problem with me in games is I'm not patient. Um I'm the opposite. I'm like make them squirm. That's me. <laughs> and admittedly on this episode we did not talk a lot about the movie. Oh well it was not we 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 talked about some I know that's not for a decade, but we didn't talk about that movie much at all. <laughs> we talked about something related to the movie. We talked about the a writer associated. Hans Christian Andersen. Is no. it Hans Christian Andersen? <laughs> no. no I thought that child. was it. <laughs> he's talking to a child with a very creepy adult face. Inchworm. Oh, is it um Inchworm? What was the one where it's like no, that's Hans Christian Andersen. What's the one where the actor, the, the, the writer was actually gay in real life? It's like oh, was it oh, Hans was it the one? No, it wasn't the a song to remember. No, because I know that one. I'm almost on that one in my um tracking, and that one has the couple on it. Well, I think that one might be right after Double Indemnity. The only thing I can think of is that we talked about J.K. Rowling when we <laughs> when we did the Children's Hour. It is a British writer. You already got the rouge. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it? uh, The the Shakespeare one? Yes. Oh, Henry V. Henry V. I knew it was one of the. I knew it was one of the Henrys, but I don't want to say which one. (laughs) Yes, Um, it's Henry. So the five are Henry V. The little foxes, Quo Vitus. Uh, asphalt jungle and nun story and i do believe there's some versions of cat on a hot tin roof that have just elizabeth taylor but the one that was popping up for me had paul newman on it was that the horse in in henry the fifth that like hit the guy do you guys remember that i, I don't say, remember much about henry the fifth i just rewatched all the john wick movies and we're talking about a horse that hit the guy and i'm remembering like the only part of john wick 3 i really like is when john wick 
taps the horse, which he uses to fight people. He's like, he just touches the horse, and the horse, like, drop kicks another guy behind <laughs> Good gag. Sarah's like, I don't watch the movies. <laughs> I don't. Caleb's like, I don't watch the movies. Oh, I love, I love the John Wick movies. Find three hours of your time. Okay. Yeah, well, not really. A little difficult but, right now. Yeah, I know. But, um, all right. So, you want to say anything else about our 50th anniversary, 50th episode? No. No. We'll go back um, to my we'll go back to my spreadsheet whenever I finish it because it is going to take me a bit still to finish. <laughs> well, I feel it like you're just like... going to get extras at this point. Well, no, 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 because once because Letterbox is only really keeping track of the extras in this golden age of Hollywood. Because I feel like now you go on any of these pages, it's like, like I'm sure if I went to let, let me just load up like uh, let's go to Letterbox right now, um, see what what's popular right now, right, and we'll see what the last credited ones are that aren't like you know superhero post credit scene type of thing, you know. So I'm sure it's not that bad. But let's look at um Scream Six because I don't think there was any cameos in Scream Six. So like the last person credited for, well, I guess these are some cameos. Um, it's just like the actors who doubled for Ghostface and then like cameramen. But none of these are like I mean, big names. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking. Look, I'm looking at the double for Ghostface. He's only been in Scream Six. From what I've seen. I'm looking at Creed Three, and you're getting guest mother boxing elder two boxing match. But like, if you click so. them, how many how many like credits do they have? Of like movies people have seen. That's more what I mean. Oh yeah, you're true. They they don't have as many. Yeah, that's my point. I just clicked someone for John Wick two, and it's someone who was in John Wick two in Gangs of New York, which is a very funny like two two film credit two films. I was in Gangs of New York and John Wick two. But yeah, that's okay. So yeah, I think once I get out of this, um, the fifties and. Well, once I get catch up, really, once we get to the 50s, I think it's not going to be as bad for me getting only extras. And once I have the spreadsheet done, I'm going to be like, guess who joined the five timers club this week? And when we have someone who joins the five, even if it is an extra, and you guys will be like, great. If it's an extra, if it's not an extra, you can talk about the person. So. So should we, we talk about our main subject? Yeah, if we must. This time we're going back in time to the first. Oh, I went. I opened the affairs of Sling page and closed my uh, closed my page for um, um the first Academy Awards. Well, let's go back to the. the I know. I, I was gonna. That was what I was gonna say to you guys and get my. I was gonna be like, well, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> um, let's go back to the first Academy Awards. Very quick countdown. There was a film. Seventh Heaven had five nominations. It won three. Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans had four nominations. It won three. Great movie, by the way. Um, The Circus technically had three nominations and no wins, but they gave Charlie Chaplin a special award. So like, ah, shit, we nominated him for too much. Let's give him a special award and be done with it. Um, That's really, so it doesn't really qualify because the movie still won an award. Um, Then there's a movie called The Last Command. And Wings, well, sorry, there's a movie called Wings that had two nominations and won both of them. There's a movie called The Last Command that had two nominations and won one of them. There's a movie called The Crowd, which I really love and no one else here does, that had no nomina- two nominations and no wins. But we already talked about it a while, long while back. And then there's a movie with two nominations and no wins. And that's Sadie Thompson. Sarah, what was Sadie Thompson nominated for? 
Um, so Sadie Thompson was nominated for Best Actress for Gloria Swanson. Uh, she lost to Janet Gaynor, who won for Seventh Heaven and Street Angel and Sunrise. She's good in Sunrise. Uh, Gloria Swanson was nominated two more times, perhaps most famously for Sunset Boulevard. Just a movie I'm sure we'll talk about a bit today, regardless. And uh, Best Cinematography for George Barnes. Uh, who lost to Charles Rocher and Carl Struss for Sunrise. Uh, George Barnes was nominated six more times. Uh, He was also the only, he also was nominated two more times that year and still lost. Uh, That's pretty funny. (laughs) But also, have you you seen Sunrise? No. No. Trust me, I, I, I can say, I mean, I guess maybe Devil Dancer Magic Flame are great, but I gotta say, Sadie Thompson and Sunrise, like, they're not comfortable at all. Sunrise is, like, designed to be an art film where every, like, frame is a painting. I'm kind of surprised Wings is It is gorgeous. Nominated. It's insane Sunrise didn't win art direction, by the way. What the heck? Um, but anyways, he also won for Rebecca. So he'll be fine. He'll, he'll survive. Pleb, do you have any historical context? I do. Um, and it might cross over a little bit with stuff we talked about in our first episode. So go back and try to get through the terrible audio wow. and listen to that. Is it our first um, episode? Because we didn't cover. Or are you talking about alibi? Alibi. Okay. Sorry. sorry. I don't think I did any crowd. historical context for the crowd. But, I love but um, Sadie Thompson, uh, obviously a movie from in the 20s. Uh, but it also is a movie that deals with a uh, a missionary, a reformer, um, which was a weird choice of terms. Cause like, I think historically now we think reformers, we think of like political reformers, but the twenties were an interesting time for religion. It was coming off of the third great awakening, which was a time period where uh, Protestantism in America turned uh, very socially focused. Um, uh, especially focused around government corruption and poverty, uh, trying to uh, fix those things. You can actually see this uh, in, you know, in a very broad sense in Guys and Dolls because some of the characters there are definitely in line with uh, kind of 1920s, 1910s reformers, um, Christian reformers. Uh, it, around this time, there's an idea called the social gospel that predates the 20s a little bit, but definitely would have had an influence. Um, which puts a lot of focus on a lot of different social causes, uh, alcoholism, uh, uh, unclean environments, you know, child labor, uh, the lack of unionization. So some really good stuff uh, along with stuff like alcoholism, which obviously uh, led to prohibition. Um, for all of my theology nerds, this was a post-millennialist uh, theology, which means that they believed Christians needed to make the world better in order for the end times to occur. That is the opposite of what a lot of evangelicals think today. They think is a um, pre-millennialist, I think is the right word. Anyway, they think that the earth is just going to get worse and worse. And then there are people who have the seven mountains mandates. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with the 20s. Um, But so you you get kind of more socially aware and activist uh forms leading up to the 20s and then in the 20s with the rise of jazz and um a few other social uh things uh you get a lot more fundamentalist and um 
more reactionary um, Christians starting to take on kind of those same activist ideas, but then targeting uh, their social causes. They were just as moralistic, but their moralistics were a little bit more uh, targeted towards things that uh, you would probably associate with uh, associate with big cities, with um, progressive people at the time, and of course, black people at the time. So I, that's kind of the religious context that we are uh, playing in with the movie. Cool. Now, Sadie Thompson, let's address the elephant in the room here. Where's the words? <laughs> They're on the screen, Danny. I went to the movies to have fun, not to read and do homework. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's coming from the guy. This is coming from the guy who defends the crowd passionately here. But you know what I what is the actual elephant in the room here? Where's the ending? What gives? What happened to that ending? Wow. So experimental. Yeah. Why did it just cut to like random text? Sorry, not random text. Random still images. It's very a star is born. Yeah, but that's not what the end. Star is born thankfully does not did not lose its ending. I don't know. I mean, the version that I watched, the bootleg Russian version that I watched on YouTube, <laughs> it just goes straight into the ending. It has a little thing at the beginning that's like, this is this version has a reconstructed ending. I, I mean, that's the version I watched too. I think that's the DVD Kino version. Is like the distributor. I feel like. This ending is insane, first of all. Second of all, can you imagine, like, like people, I mean, people knew what the ending was, like, even when they first found it and they restored it and they showed it at, I believe it was U of I Champagne in, like, 1987. People still knew what the ending was, but can you imagine watching this movie not knowing that there's, like, more to the ending? And you watch it and you're like, oh, you know, Sadie Thompson and and uh and Lionel Marymore are gonna are gonna sleep together. Oh, but it turns out no, they're not. He kills himself. Yeah. It's um it's definitely a uh I, I don't even want to say scandalous because I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Um but it, it's not something that maybe would have passed the code uh a few years later. So, what did we think of this film? I liked it. Silent movies have an advantage, I think, with me because, and same with foreign language films or films that star people uh, using ASL. Um, I I have to engage fully with these types of films because there is no dialogue. And so I feel like uh, oftentimes I kind of... um, have a have a more uh undistracted viewing experience with them um and so i maybe that's why but i i thought this was uh not a fun time but definitely definitely an exciting watch um an exciting story i think that uh gloria swanson is a very energetic and um exciting uh lead to watch and i think you can see a lot of the same tools that she's using to uh with her expressions and body language i think you can see that carried over into a lot of um a lot of comedy that we uh we see today especially kind of exaggerated comedy like skit comedy um 
I was getting a lot. Of, I was getting a lot of Julia Louise Dreyfus from from her performance, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, but I also I also liked the story. I thought the story was really interesting. I guess I don't really know what the message is. What's the moral of this of this story? Because so Sadie Thompson is a prostitute, and Lionel Barrymore is a reformer, and Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Raul Walsh. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, Star is born. He is in love with her, and he's like, "We're gonna go to Australia because Australia is the prison island." Um, and she spends a lot of time praying, a lot of time being damned for eternity. And but it turns out that Lionel Barrymore, Mr. Potter himself, is attracted to her and ends up killing himself and i just and then she gets her happy ending and i just don't know if this is like pro reformation if it's like a satire if it's are we rooting for sadie or are we like no sadie repent i guess i just don't get it i am very metal on the phone but i don't think i can blame the movie to be very real with you guys i had a migraine last night i watched 20 minutes of this was like oh I didn't realize it was a migraine. I thought it was just a headache. So I was like, ah, this is making me fall asleep. I'm just going to take a nap for 20 minutes. Like, because that's something I'll be real. Sometimes I'll start a movie, watch 20 minutes, and realize I'm falling asleep while watching it. And then I will just turn off the TV and the lights, sit exactly where I am while I was trying to watch the movie. Because, you know, I was falling asleep there anyway, like on the floor. And I'll fall asleep for 20 minutes and I'll wake up and finish the movie. Tried that. My headache was worse when I woke up. I had to finish the movie. Very hard to stay engaged with this with that like setting. There are aspects of it I liked. Weirdly enough, before my nap, because I didn't realize it was a migraine, I was more into it than I was after my nap. Um, but also I it's it felt a little meandering to me. Um and to me, any movie that's 90 minutes long, it makes me keep wanting to pause it to do something else. It's a problem because a movie that is this, this short should not be making me want to walk away from it extensively. But I texted Sarah. I think I texted you last night. Like this movie was 90 minutes long. It took me like two and a half hours to get through it. I Granted, just... 20 minutes of that was a nap. So it doesn't really, but that for more like 40 extra minutes to get through it. But I, I don't know. It, I, I can't hold any of my issues though really against me because I watched it somewhat impaired. So I just don't know. I'm not a big I guess I just can't really do silent films. I just, I mean, I like Buster Keaton a lot. I like Charlie Chaplin. But it's just like this, the fact that it's like a feature length movie versus like a 70 minute movie is like, it just feels so long. And I don't know what it is about it being silent that makes it so long. Well, I I think it's because like your brain gets the information quickly with the title cards and then you have to see it acted out. Um, and there are, you know, even though I like this, I do think that some of these, uh, some of these shots could have been shortened a bit, um, and you wouldn't have lost any visual information. Um, and I, you know, Danny, you brought up sunset, sunrise, sunset of two humans, whatever. Um, there are definitely more sophisticated silent films I've seen. I argue the crowd is probably better made than this film. Um, but I, I think that there is the the story still drew me in. But I think that's probably 
um, where a lot of people would fall off. It's just, you know what's about to happen, but you still have to see it played out um, in this dramatic pantomime that, you know, we're not, we're not used to. I'm very into watch. Okay. So my whole thought also, and this will be my light rock trigger when I push this episode is I firmly believe I saw this at the music box. I would probably be way more into it, which, you know, I say that about any movie. Like if I saw this movie in a theater, I'd probably like it more, but I think silent film is very much that. Cause even as someone who came on this podcast, defending the crowd, like this is great. How dare you? I still give it a higher grade on Letterboxd when I caught it at the music box. And I firmly believe Sunrise Song to Humans. I really enjoyed it. I think I watched that at home. I would have probably done the same thing I did here, even though I definitely think I would have recognized it as a better crafter film with like some gorgeous sets. I think, and I've said this actually on my other podcast to some hot takes, and I realized afterwards I shouldn't have given it a blank statement. But like I said, like I like watching foreign movies and documentaries in theaters more than at home, because at home I just can't really pay attention to it, and I feel bad. Now, literally, like, right after, I think I said that, I think a couple days later, I watched Happening on Hulu, which is a French film, and I was really into it. So, obviously, the foreign thing isn't, like, a blanket rule, but in general, something like this, I'd really need to be, like, in a theater, being forced to be awake during it. Because I can't fall asleep in the theater, really. It's really hard for me, so, so, yeah. I'd probably enjoy this more at the music box. or alternatively actually because i feel like the music box implies like with live accompaniment which obviously any of any silent movie with live accompaniment is going to be better than watching it at home that's just how the form works but also like at um the chicago film society when they showed sunrise it wasn't with live accompaniment i thought that was excellent too but yeah i tell you i saw Um, by the way um within our gates with a new score a couple months back that was really great that's the ever silent film I saw recently. That's all I wanted to say. I saw Within Our Gates also recently. Never great silent film. So, for the listener at home, who I assume did not watch Sadie Thompson, although it is on YouTube, um, the story is pretty simple. A, uh, a prostitute who is kind of running from the law, although we don't know that, uh, at first goes to South Pacific Island uh, because uh, she can find work there. She can find... Um, above board work but she gets in at the same time as this performer played by mr potter um who is a uh very very keen on once he learns who this woman is on basically ruining her life as a way of coercing her into converting um at the same time sadie is falling in love with a marine who's stationed there and it becomes this dramatic thing of the reformer with all of his political uh, influence is getting her deported and uh, sent back to prison while, and kind of brainwashing her into converting while uh, the uh, soldier is trying to kind of snap her out of it. Um, And then it ends with, he um, is lusting after her and then ends up killing himself over the guilt or, possibly her killing him it's i think it's left up to your interpretation um and then you know everything ends happily for her but i think at its core it's a story about like hypocrisy yeah <laughs> like i say is yeah i mean i don't think i i think to say that this movie 
doesn't have stuff on its mind would be crazy. I think this movie is very sophisticated for 1928. Um, but again, not, not entirely so, because this is the same year as Sunrise, a song of two humans in the crowd, both of which I find to be much more, engro- personally, much more engrossing and fascinating films. But if I remember, let me, let me open up the, the page for the Oscars this year. But if I remember right, this is um, the... Those two aren't nominated for Best Picture. Those are nominated for, like, Most Artistic Picture, if I remember right. Whereas this is nominated for actual... Because this is more a narrative film, and those two were considered more experimental films. If that makes sense. Because... What was it called? Was it, why does this page... I would just have a link to the Oscars. Sorry. I'm getting annoyed with this Wikipedia page. There should be a link at the top that says, This was nominated for the, at the first Academy Awards. Because to me, that is important yeah no okay yeah yeah this was well this wasn't nominated for anything um well sorry obviously it was nominated it was nominated for picture so but the crowd and sunrise were under unique and artistic picture and i believe this would have just been under dramatic film right or regular film i'm not sure i don't think it feels experimental compared to the lover so no Although, you know, what, what experimental is would have been very different. Well, yeah, because now I would say Sunrise and Crowd are very much considered narrative, just basic narrative films, even if they are kind of weird at points. Yeah, I mean, the Crowd has that kind of city symphony quality, which I can see why they would put it, not having a, not having a term for documentary yet, why they put it under experimental. Sarah, you, you didn't quite, uh, you didn't quite feel like this was, saying anything or at least coming down on anything um i don't know you want to talk more about that i guess i don't know i just i don't know i don't really have anything to say about this movie i don't know it just it's our 50th episode we have to be good here and by that i mean we have to we have to say things well, this is going to be our most boring episode. Um, I don't know. It just feels That's very. I don't know. It just feels very like. I don't know. I don't. I wonder what the remake is like because this is, to me is like, it's a woman who's the title character, but I think that there's two men that are probably more. They're probably. They probably shape the narrative more than she does, which is not to say that she's not like a bad character. I think she's fun. Um, I did see something that said that this was Gloria Swanson's best role, which I thought was kind of strange <laughs> considering, um, but you know, it's fine. I think it's cool that she was able to, I mean, pretty much all these actors were able to, to make the jump, um, overall, probably going to forget about this tomorrow. I think I really I really like the scenes between her and um Davidson is the name of the character but Mr. Potter. Um I feel like there is a a really interesting um way the camera uh positions Davidson as like this formidable uh sinister person. I don't think that the film is ever. I, there's maybe one title card that you can read as pro 
uh, his stance. But I, I don't know. I, I felt like this was very true to life of this kind of colonialist, uh, moralistic way that a lot of missionaries back in the 20s, but also even today, approach other cultures. Now, obviously, besides some offhanded mentions, this isn't really focusing on the uh, the indigenous uh, people of the island, but you can kind of see the same approach, the same um, entitlement to his own worldview that Davidson is, would express towards them that he is expressing towards Sadie. And Sadie is a really fun character to watch. Um, I feel like she is very confident. She's very active. And I think the film is definitely at its worst after she gets broken and she kind of just goes into brainwashed uh, religious mode. Um, and then, of, then, like we said, the ending is lost, so it's recreated from still photography. Um, and so you lose, you lose the power of Swanson's expressions, and so you never really get to see her go back into that confident, lively role that she had for the majority of the film. What did you guys think of um, the bar tender? Was he the the fat guy? <laughs> yeah, the uh, one who oh. yeah, the, the the guy who is I I can't remember the exact joke, but it was like the moment like I uh, Sadie makes this joke about him that's really weird because it's like again I feel like. You know, silent comedies age well because it's slapstick, but then you have this joke that's written just in dialogue, and then the characters laugh at it silently. I just thought it was weird. Are you talking about when he's like, also, when he's like, "There's room in the back," and she's like, "You have, yeah, you have like, room, in the, room in the front, yeah. front. and they all just go, "Ha ha ha!" But it's obviously quiet. That's the thing. I think that's like, the thing about these movies. It's just like they're having so much fun in the beginning, and it's just like. It just it goes on and on and on and on that they're just laughing and having a good time, and then. I think that's what kind of is difficult for me to to reconcile with these silent films. And even like on a stage, like nobody is like that angry or like that. They're not having that fun of a time. It just feels like so over the top. It's hard to take it seriously for me. Yeah. What? I feel bad for Caleb because I know he likes this movie. But to me, the main thing I want to talk about here isn't this movie. It's Gloria Swanson. Because Sunset Boulevard unfortunately won a lot of Oscars. So <laughs> we'll never talk about it. But she didn't. Because <laughs> like, I've been. She should have robbed. Robbed. Can you believe that Sunset Boulevard only won three Oscars? Caleb, pop quiz. I want you to guess the three Oscars Sunset Boulevard won. No idea. I haven't seen Sunset Boulevard, and we've already done too many dumb games <laughs> on this episode. Sarah, well, guess what it was nominated. What won? What it won? Mm, best Picture. Well, it, had, it had 11 nominees. No, it didn't so. win Best Picture. Best Director. Best Cinematography. Best Screenplay. You, oh, you got one of them. Screenplay at one. Uh, the other two are art direction and score. So, 
Art direction makes sense. That's a big mansion. Yes. Caleb, you haven't seen Sunset Boulevard? No, I haven't seen a lot of great movies. Maybe well, I'd see you, more if I wasn't on three podcasts where I had to watch movies. <laughs> well, I saw Sunset Boulevard uh, in the theater recently because of the music box. Actually, I didn't see it at the music box, but that's irrelevant. But I, I saw it in theaters recently, so I really shouldn't be like, what? How have you seen Sunset Boulevard? But if you'd ask me like a month ago, I'd be like, what? What's Sunset Boulevard? So, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say. I mean, they're just, there are a lot of great movies. And, uh, you know, I guess because I do this podcast, I have not been prioritizing like classic movies that much in what I watch um, recently. Because I know I'm going to get a classic movie every two weeks. Well, what I was going to mention more is Sunset Boulevard. Is It's interesting, you know, watching a silent movie. And I, I'll admit, I haven't seen The Great Dictator, so I don't know if this will happen for me if I ever watch like that and then Charlie Chaplin movies. I think it's interesting to watch a silent movie knowing what the voice of the character, like the Iron actress, you know, in its own way. And I know you're going to say, well, you know, Lionel Barrymore. So why don't you think of his voice? Yeah, I don't know that she, I think she kind of puts on a voice a bit in Sunset Boulevard. I think that's the whole thing. I didn't know that. I thought that was just her natural voice. Yeah, I don't know. Could be, could not be. Um, we didn't talk about probably the most famous part of this movie, which is I have seen it before. I don't know if you have seen it before, but I feel like a lot of people have not knowing the source. And that is when they light their cigarettes with their cigarettes. Pretty cool scene, I think. I did enjoy that. Yeah, I liked I I liked all the moments where they um they were flirting. I feel like I, I think that she does come down to, I, I think less so, I guess the, the Marine, but in general, I think this cast is very expressive and very fun to watch. Um, and I feel like those flirting scenes, especially coming from Swanson, I, I get a real sense of, um, of attraction between those two. And I think that, that the cigarette, cigarette lighting scene is really fun. And it contrasts cause like, the the whole movie it was, it's raining. The short story this base was based on was called titled Rain, and the rain is, uh, I'm assuming a more important symbol in the book, but like it's a pretty present motif. So kind of this idea of moving close to someone and like having an intimate moment and like a warm intimate moment. I feel like that contrasts nicely with the setting all these moments we lost in time like tears and rain apparently if this is according to wikipedia if the word rain was used in a title card the censors asked that it be removed why very offensive well it does not give an explanation as to why it used rain like five times in one title card i know so they must have refused to do that but why well, what if we Google what's rain sexual innuendo? We got Urban Dictionary. Well, rain, that just what's seems the 1920s? like. 1920s. Let's see. To what would sexually arouse a woman uh, so intensely, she begins to exude an usually copious. Well, never mind. I'm not going to read that out on this podcast. 
okay, but like the waterfall, the waterfall in the crowd is much more has much more innuendo than the word rain does. That's so strange. It is weird. I don't know well, what to the, say. The source is her book. So. Mm. Okay. Sorry, Caleb. Caleb came in so excited to talk about this movie. And I was like, well, I had a migraine. Sarah was like, well, I didn't like it. Well, I don't know. It's not that I... Here's the thing. It's not that I dislike it. I just... (sighs) I didn't like it. But it was just... (laughs) It was more just... You know, I just couldn't engage with it. Like, I wish that I could. Yeah, I, I can't blame... I mean, I definitely can't blame you, Danny, if you had a migraine. Um, that's, yeah, that, that that would ruin any movie. Um, I, I just assumed it was a headache and I couldn't act it off, but it didn't work. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But this this podcast is, I think we've all had episodes where the movie, just for whatever reason, did wasn't giving us anything. So I, I can't blame I can't blame either of you that much. I guess just because like I'm I'm going full podcast brain mode and I'm trying to find uh since we can't have a discussion about the movie, trying to find a, a good hook for this. So like I tried to find a good hook but no one saw Sunset Boulevard. Oh no. I've seen it. I saw well, it like yeah, ten I, years ago. I don't think a good hook is to start talking about another movie. But um I, I guess just like what was your all's history been with silent movies and watching them? Because obviously they're not something that like gets aired on TV or gets repertory screenings that often. Way back in high school, my English teacher, Mr. Marshall, said to me, Danny, if you were in my film class, you'd have to watch silent movies and you wouldn't like that. I was like, what are you talking about? I just saw The Artist. That was great. And he was like, old silent movies are not like The Artist. I didn't know what he meant. So I was in college and we started watching old silent movies and then i was like oh dang he's right i don't like these types of silent movies and then i saw the crowd for this podcast and i was like ah I do. oh actually you know what i watched the kid in college and i was like ah the kid good movie and i watched the crowd I'm like ah the crowd good movie sunrise the song of humans good movie and then last year during the art for final season they dedicated an entire four because it was only eight episodes long they divided they dedicated the only double length episode to Arthur discovering the joys of a silent movie theater and silent movies, which I kind of appreciate that they did dedicated an entire form of their final season to that. And then Arthur became Lin-Man Miranda. And then I came on this podcast to watch Sadie Thompson. And now I don't like silent films again. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I like the artist. I know people are now saying that the artist is not good. I disagree. I think it's always been good. At the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, there is an exhibit called The Streets of Yesterday, which is like, it's a big chunk of time. It's like the 1890s through like the 1920s. And they have a Nickelodeon theater. So when I was a kid, I did watch the little Buster Keatons that they played in there. Um, They have not changed since I was a kid. That entire museum is like a time capsule. Nothing ever changes. (laughs) Um, I found out we're going there this summer. I'm excited. 
I love that museum. Um, and then when I got to college, we watched, you know, we watched like Suspense and Man with a Movie Camera. Uh, oh, I love Man with a Movie Camera. I don't really consider when that's I, not really, films, yeah. I, I consider stuff of like inner titles, you know, as a silent movie. Really. Um, though, yes, Man with a Movie Camera is We also watched Birth of a Nation. I didn't. For some reason. <laughs> I talked about that at work today, actually, with a non-film person. I we talked about Nate Parker related to our news and things in the news. I talked about Nate Parker. I yeah, I did see that. I saw that in theaters. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that I'm was surprised. like, I know. Well, that was back when I was, I don't know. It was, I wanted to fit in. Um, <laughs> but that was a weird experience because we didn't get any warning of like what the movie was about. She just put it on and said that we were going to watch a movie about editing. Um. So there was that. What? <laughs> I'm so I'm, surprised. What? She I'm didn't say afterwards which professor this was. You might be surprised. Um, I feel like I know who it is too, which it's kind of surprising, but also not entirely. Well, it was very yeah, it was very strange. Um, but all this to say, you know, I say that I like Charlie Chaplin, but I really like Buster Keaton. If I can just watch like a 15 minute Buster Keaton. You know, like a one week or something like that, or like a you know, a Sherlock Holmes Jr. or whatever. Like I'm okay with that. These dramatic films, besides the artist, uh, <laughs> just don't. The artist doesn't. The artist really doesn't. I agree with my te- my English teacher. The I know it's not. I know the filmmaking know. is well. The fi- it's not even like it's the filmmaking too. It doesn't count really to me. I know. Personally. But go on, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I would rather see a silent comedy. I think they translate better for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it, you know, in high school, I watched a couple silent films like The Jazz Singer, The General, like, you know, big famous ones. And then in college, I watched, uh, you know, like Suspense and stuff. Some of the um, Corner and Wheat, you know, some of the some of the kind of influential uh one set i i don't think i watched any feature length one except for birth of a nation in college i think they mainly kept it to shorts and even then we didn't watch all of birth of a nation because birth of a nation is way too long um so we watched the second half that has the most racist stuff in it and we talked about the fact that it was racist um it was in an african-american images in film class but um i really i don't know i really like silent films i i like oh, experimental films a lot sorry. i like within um, our gates i mentioned that earlier i wanted to say that i saw within our gates of a okay. jazz store earlier this year. i know I already mentioned that but that was good go on sorry um so yeah I, I like experimental films a lot and there are a lot of experimental films where sound just isn't that important uh, a lot of maya darren films and maya darren is my favorite filmmaker um so like her her films sound doesn't isn't really a component and i think that trained me for uh watching silent movies but i think what i like about them is that there is just it's the era that they come out there's like a lot of experimentation you know like we were talking about the crowd doesn't seem like an experimental movie but at the time it was playing with the idea of city symphonies and stuff like that and then you'll watch something like man with the movie camera or berlin um and you start to see all these uh really inventive and really cool uh techniques being born you can see that with george millier films as well um 
I think my favorite silent film is Passion of Joan of Arc, uh, which doesn't really like its innovation is the close up um, and what it's able to do with that. Uh, So like it, it, like the crowd, it is a movie we wouldn't consider experimental by today's standards, but hundred percent paved the way for the way we view movies now. So I don't know. I, I need to watch more experiment or more silent films. Um, and especially more silent films that aren't just experimental films, because I do watch a lot of those. Mm. I wish we had more silent screenings here that I can make. The ones I have made are really good. But again, it's hard for me to watch them at home. Also, my big regret last year that I missed a Buster Keaton that was being offered for free because they were screening another. I've told that story somewhere else, but I, I skipped it for something that didn't even end up happening. When you have gone, you've been to live accompaniment ones, right, Danny? Only a few. I've been to Within Our Gates, which I said was. Within Our Gates was like one of the few times in my life I've been actually really moved to do a standing ovation. Because the fact that this guy wrote an entire new score for it and like a hundred years after it exists and it was beautiful and it matched everything perfectly, I just thought that was so moving to me. You know, like I I was like, yeah, you have to give this guy a standing ovation for doing this because this is probably never going to be recorded and matched up this movie again and yet he worked so hard on it and it's beautiful. And the movie is beautiful too, obviously. Um, Then I saw the crowd um, in Oregon. Let me look up uh I have a tag on Letterbox that's live accompaniment, which of course will include also the um Coco and Get Out screenings I've been at and Amadeus I've been at. So were any of those improvised? I don't think I believe the jazz score was an actual jazz score. You know what I mean? It wasn't okay. like they wrote it to it. Uh oh, I've seen a short film called Oh, there was a short film they also played in front of the crowd called canned thrills that's the only ever um so i've seen three one short and two hour films with live accompaniment for a silent film and i have four for movies tagged in their live music the last one being mo better blues yeah yeah because i saw um i saw metropolis with the live uh um improved organ accompaniment and that was one of my one of the coolest uh theater well it wasn't a theater because it was it was like a a music auditorium but they were that's where the organ was so um but that was one of the coolest viewing experiences i've had all right i think we've exhausted sadie thompson sadly even though this is our 15th episode so are we done we think we're done with sadie thompson we're done with the first academy awards we're done with silent films Unless the artist somehow someone time travels <laughs> Best back picture in time winning the artist. Me, no, no, no. Someone's got to time travel back in time and make the artist or snub film movie. The artist, too, will Actually, get no... Now wins. I'm curious. I'm just going to look at that here really quickly. I'm curious if our snub club movie has more nominations than the artist. Because I feel like that's possible. I think the artist is kind of ineligible for a lot of awards. The artist? I don't know how many noms the artist had. I mean, it's nominated for... Oh, it had 10 nominations. Yeah, it was nominated for a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it probably would be our um, thanks to Oscar page. I clicked Academy Awards, assuming it would take me to this Oscars. It took me just to the current one. So I saw K. Kwan, which is like, great, I love him, but not what I'm looking for. 
Was this the most nominated film that year? The artist? No, actually. No, it's. Uh, well, let's see if Caleb can guess. That's... Caleb, guess what movie got more nominations than The Artist in 2011? This movie perplexes I have no me. idea what came out in 2011. Danny, you know I don't know dates. It's a movie by a director we haven't talked about yet, but we'll talk about a lot of them. Based on a children's novel. Yeah. Hugo? Yeah. Yes. Hugo. Kind of similar to The Artist in a lot of ways. I actually like Hugo more. But I like Hugo. Well, it looks like the movie that we're going to cover, I'm already not going to like. Yeah, I know you're not. I know the movie that, I know the movie we're covering that year. You're not going to like it. What is up? Sarah, what was this nominee? Uh, it's nominated for Best Actress and Best Cinematography. I forgot 2011 it was a double year. Come on, guys. You know what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the Gloria Swanson. Come on. I mean, yeah. What? So have I. Yeah, it's a, so yeah, is Caleb, I'm betting. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's I mean, what what else could like the cinematography is serviceable. It's fine, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anything. I think there are some good moments in the cinematography, but I don't think that stands out. Where Gloria Swanson, I think, makes the movie. I do think this is. I haven't seen Sunset Boulevard, but I can understand why someone would call this her best performance. I think it's very good. Well, I think she. It's also one of those things where it's like, to me, there are some of these actors who pop up and I'm like, they should probably have an Oscar, you know, like, the, like it, whenever we get to, I'm not, I don't actually don't know if any like Peter O'Toole or Glenn Close movies qualify for this podcast off of my head, but I'm sure if they do and there's a nom there, I might be like, yeah, just give it to them because you know, I know they're going to keep trying and not do that well with that. Now I got to pick a nom. That's way harder. Uh, editing. I really like uh, how mainly whenever um, Davidson is trying to convert Sadie. Uh, I like the editing. I also like the editing device they use of cutting outside to show the rain coming down from the uh, ceiling. They use that, or the roof. They use that several times, and I feel like that is very well done. Um, like I said, cinematography isn't standout here, but I do think the editing is pretty pretty good. Sarah? Um, I would give it, a, I guess for a period appropriate, Award, I would give it best actor for Lionel Barrymore versus supporting actor because he didn't exist yet, right? Yes, I will give well, you know, I don't, I don't, I really do kind of think it's unfair, but I do think this movie has a very good directorial division behind it. So, actually, I was gonna give it um costumes, but I think I'll go for director because even though I had a migraine fit, I did feel like it had a vision behind it, and I feel like it's weird that Rayo Walsh didn't get any noms for this. Sidebar, it was nice to go to the Academy Award pace for Best Actress and not be like surprised Jessica Chastain's on it. Because <laughs> that's been happening whenever I clicked it for the last year. Being like, why is she here? Go to, go to Best um, Supporting Actress. Well, she's all of us, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was our 50th episode. Character- characteristically, a very... <laughs> Very, very high energy episode. Very high energy. Well, what was high energy when we were celebrating and being our 50th? So, you guys want to know what we're doing next time for our 51st episode? Yes. Yes. Yes, please. We will be covering a filmmaker who we covered before. So, we're going to jump back to the 1960s, back to the 36th Academy Awards with six nominations and no wins. 
And the drum roll, please. It's a three-hour movie. It's Otto Preminger's The Cardinal. Preminger famously directed The Moon is Blue, which we didn't like, but we kind of, we read a lot about him. We were like, oh, he seems cool. Like, he seems like a cool guy. So hopefully this is more speed, even though it's three hours long. I don't know. I actually think the premise of it is kind of cool. So... Um, the letterbox premise, so the tagline is a motion picture that spans two decades of conflict and drama as it tells the story of a young American and his rise to prince of the church. Um, and the logline is a young Catholic priest from Boston confronts bigotry, Nazism, and his own personal conflicts as he rises to the office of cardinal. I think that sounds okay. cool. It sounds like an interesting type of movie. Um, seems like it's got decent grades on letterbox. It's got a 3.5. Um, but you know, I think this sounds interesting. Even the length is kind of like, mm, I don't know about that, but it's like the nun it story. sounds like an interesting movie. The nun story, except he succeeds or does he? We'll find out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to 50 episodes of the Snuff Club. I'm Diddy Bitson. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Blightness. You can also listen to other podcasts looking for the ocean at Pixar Journey. We look for the ocean and we find Pixar. That's how it goes. Hey guys, I'm Caleb from Caleb from the Real World. You can find me on Instagram and YouTube. From there, you can find my litany of other podcasts, Hot Trash Unlimited, All New 52, and Star Wars Therapy. And special thanks to our editor, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Which thanks, of, Joe. which episode was your favorite to edit of all 50? I never have fun editing this. It is strenuous and torturous at times. Just wait. He's gonna be something. He's gonna say something where it's like that one where I had to edit out Danny saying this. <laughs> it's gonna be. He's gonna get me canceled. <laughs> Did he ever answer who he would slap? Uh, yeah. Oh, I haven't got that. Part. Well, fi- I'll find out. I'm just waiting for <laughs> like an out. insert where he's like, "I'm actually a huge Brendan Fraser fan, and you really hurt my feelings." <laughs> <laughs> No, he did ask me why you hate Brendan Fraser so much. <laughs> I know. Speaking of getting canceled. I was actually talking to someone about uh, another person who's coming on the guest for Looking for the Ocean. I mentioned about that. One of my co-hosts um, hates Brendan Fraser now. And, now, and they're like, is this, and they're like, is this Mark? And I was like, no. It's like, okay, good. I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> I don't have to get in that fight. <laughs> um, well, I... My opinion has not changed about Fraser. <laughs> um, you can find me on Letterbox. My name is Sarah Kanoff. You can find me on Instagram, S-G-K-E-S-S-G-E-E-K-Y-29. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Snub Pod, Instagram, Snub Club Podcast, and Facebook, Snub Club. Make sure you join us on Twitter when we'll poll you guys on April 16th something. Because we're not verified there, but I fully expect that not to happen. Topical. Definitely a good thing to do is date our 50th episode of when we recorded it. Okay. We'll, we'll it's March 28, 2023. All right. I'm so confused. So next week we'll say Otto Preminger. I don't even know her with the Cardinal. We'll see next time. Not next week. I'm crazy. I'm so tired. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Howard <laughs> yeah. Bristol.